Molly Percocet, Percocet, Molly Percocet, Rep the set, gotta rep the set, chase the chick, never chase Hey, 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 this is the Jones Chronicles. I'm your host, Christina. We're going to be discussing an array of topics based on a poll I put out on Twitter this week. Looks like we'll be delving into Roman life, Roman society, and one of its most notorious emperors. We'll then discuss the conspiracy of the week, since that was a highly rated topic to uh to delve into and then we'll top it off with some fun facts as always since we have a lot to get into let's just jump into it scholars estimate about 10 percent, but possibly up to 20 percent of the roman empire's population were enslaved this would mean for an estimated roman empire population of 50 million in the first century AD, between five and 10 million were enslaved peoples. Life as a slave was not the same for everyone because when we think of slavery, we're more knee jerk geared to think about the American transatlantic slave trade. However, the concept of slavery has always been a part of society at its inception and it has differed from region to region based on whatever types of deals would go down. But the difference between slaveries we're going to find out in Roman society and how they became Roman citizens is a matter of what one would call in American society, not so much manifest destiny, but the dream of America. Here you can make it, you have a chance. All slaves and their families were the property of their owners who could sell or rent them out at any time. Their lives were harsh. Slaves were often whipped, branded, or cruelly mistreated. So we don't want to you know, animated in a certain fashion of, you know, this was simply an acceptable way. I mean, of course not. Their owners could also kill them for any reason and would face no punishment. Although Romans accepted slavery as the norm, some people like the poet and philosopher Seneca argued that slaves should at least be treated fairly. Slaves worked everywhere in private households in mines factories and on farms they also worked for city governments on engineering projects such as roads aqueducts and buildings as a result they merged easily into population in fact slaves look so similar to roman citizens that the senate once considered a plan to make them wear special clothing so that they could be identified at a glance The idea was rejected because the Senate feared that if the slaves saw how many of them there were working in Rome, they might be tempted to join forces and rebel. This ironically does sound very much like the the slave population in the South at the time. 
there were far more black peoples than there were white plantation owners and thus the amount of cruelty to keep them in line was how they offset the chance of rebellion and it's no it's no uh coincidence that both of these societies happen to build up the labor force and make up the labor force uh and further enrich the society in which they are being enslaved another difference between roman slavery and its more modern variety was manumission the ability of slaves to be freed roman owners freed their slaves in considerable numbers some freed them outright while others allowed them to buy their own freedom the prospect of possible freedom through manumission encouraged most slaves to be obedient and hardworking. former manumission was performed by a magistrate and gave freed men full roman citizenship the one exception was that they were not allowed to hold office however the law gave any children born to freedom after formal manumission full rights of citizenship including the right to hold office and formal manumission gave fewer rights slaves freed informally did not become citizens and any property or wealth they accumulated reverted to their former owners when they died that's fucked up that certainly doesn't sound like a successful enterprise for the slaves that are freed however if you do watch uh, a series i believe walking in roman shoot something with mary beard she goes into many slaves that ended up becoming affluent or successful people after their enslavement the term athiopes referred to particularly dark-skinned peoples first record recorded as early as homer who presented them as remote almost legendary figures that inhabited the far reaches of the known world ancient romans who had under their control huge tracts of land certainly had to deal with the black population on a daily basis interestingly the ratio of the white to black race was not always beneficial only for the former according to the fathers of the church jerome and seraphinus of jerusalem at the end of the fourth century ce colchis was called the second ethiopia due to the overwhelming number of black people other sources from the fourth century bce in the form of paleophatus and hanno the navigator carthinian carthaginian sailor mentioned the village of cern located behind the pillars of hercules which closes the mediterranean sea and meant for the ancient end of the known world i'm pretty proud i got like eight minutes in before absolutely stumbling over the fucking words that that (laughs) i can't at all pronounce the city was inhabited according to the ancients by ethiopians who traded in ivory deer leopard swine perfumes egyptian stones and ceramics from athens there's a reason why ethiopia was never colonized 
The proof of the fact that the black inhabitants lived in Rome is evidenced by the event of 61 CE when the Roman emperor Nero organized an amphitheater spectacle of hunting Ethiopian hunters. What is worth mentioning is that black people were not slaves and servants in the Roman world. Some of them became writers, chiefs, and philosophers. And according to the Byzantine chronicler, John Malalus, even Emperor Septimus Severus had dark skin, though it does not seem to be black. He sooner had a Berber origin and was the first emperor from African. He was born in Libya. As for the slaves, even the blacks were liberated and became prominent citizens of Rome. This once again proves that the myth of everything was so Caucasian, (laughs) uh, which has been portrayed mainly by the media to educate audience all over the world is nothing but a myth created by by a movie industry that wanted to continue to uh rather like another type of regime reinforce the idea of the Aryan beauty many romans of african descent like quietus reached the high levels of their military career and were stationed away from their home sites many officers and soldiers served for example in the third century ce next to hadrian's wall a certain inscription proves that the auxiliary unit numerous marum marum served in ab Balava. Hey, Today's Burby Sands in England, the unit was completely recruited from the Mauritanian population. Excavations from the period 1951 to 1959 proved that among the exhumed skeletons in Britain, some were of African origin. What is worth emphasizing is the aforementioned Emperor Septimus Severus who legalized marriages between soldiers and local women. In this way, children from mixed couples were born. Historian Anthony Burley in his book, Septimus Severus, the African Emperor, explains that between 193 and 211 CE, the Roman Empire was a multicultural mix of people from Syria, Germania, Britain, Spain, and Africa. In addition, He claims that at that time, eight men of African origin commanded Roman legions in the north and others were equites. Which in Roman society were a class of citizens who originally formed the cavalry of the Roman army and at a later period were a wealthy class of great political importance. When the pimps in the crib, ma, drop it like it's hot, drop it like it's hot, drop it like it's hot. When the pigs try to get at you, park it like it's hot, park it like it's hot, park it like it's hot. And if a nigga get an attitude, pop it like it's hot, pop it like it's hot, pop it like it's hot. I got the rollie on my arm and I'm pouring Chandon and I'm all the best weed. The concept of race as it is understood today did not exist and was not used to identify black African people in the Roman Empire. Skin color in the Roman Empire simply did not carry with it the same social and cultural connotations it does today. 
rank, wealth, social position, place of origin, and education shown by one's ability to speak Latin were more important to the Roman Empire. The Roman world is seen as white and one in which people of color had no place or were at the social margins. However, one of the central elements of my teaching is to emphasize the cultural diversities of the ancient Mediterranean peoples and their social distance from contemporary societies and values. If you want to know more about the lives of Roman citizens or black citizens, the sources I read from are below. So definitely check those out. We're going to wrap up our Roman section because we are going to do more things like this in the future. We are going to discuss one of its first, quote unquote, emperors. If I'm recalling right after the pretty much after the 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 forming of the Senate of the Republic, there were going to be no more emperors. Gaius Julius Caesar was born by cesarean section, according to an unlikely legend. The lies. There you go. Depending on the sources, Gaius Julius Caesar uh, was born 102 to 100 BCE of Aurelia and Gaius Julius Caesar. I'm guessing senior who was a praetor. His family had noble patrician roots, although they were neither rich nor influential in this period. His aunt Julia was the wife of Gaius Marius, leader of the popular faction. In 85 BCE, his father died, and a few years later, he was betrothed and possibly married to a wealthy young woman named Casutia. This betrothal or marriage was soon broken off And at the age of 18, he married Cornelia because he apparently has a thing for the letter C. (laughs) Or maybe that was just all of Roman society. They were all like a literal or something. (laughs) Uh, Cornelia was the daughter of a prominent member of the popular faction. She later bore him his only legitimate child, a daughter, Julia. When the optimate dictator Sulla was in power he ordered Caesar to divorce her when Caesar refused Sulla proscribed him which means listed him among those to be executed and Caesar had to go into hiding what's the story behind that story did Sulla covet thy wife (laughs) you couldn't have let him have that thy booty I just realized they did break the cycle with a Julia child. Caesar's influential friends and relatives eventually got him a pardon. All Caesar's speeches and writings lost in extent apparently served political purposes. He turned his funeral orations for his wife and for his aunt to account for political propaganda. Caesar's most amazing characteristic is his energy, intellectual and physical. And boy, did he have a lot of physical energy because my boy was a straight ass hoe and a narcissist because even on the battlefield, my man's out here writing seven whole fucking books on the Gallic Wars. He's like, I'm going to teach you what PR is. Okay. Actually, I think 
all of Roman society knew what PR was, which they learned, I'm thinking, from the Greeks. Caesar's physical vitality perhaps partially accounts for his sexual promiscuity, which was out of the ordinary, even by contemporary Greeks and Romans. It was rumored that during his first visit to the East, he had had homosexual relations or as... (laughs) i love interview with the vampire on amc so much it's like i didn't realize i was a homosexual he's <laughs> in his creole homosexual uh relations let's get back to caesar with king nicomatis of bithynia the rumor is credible though not proved and was repeated throughout caesar's life but she caught me on the counter It wasn't me Saw me banging on the sofa It wasn't me I even had her in the shower It wasn't me She even caught me on camera It wasn't me She saw the marks on my shoulder It wasn't me Heard the words that I There is no doubt of Caesar's heterosexual affairs Many of them with married women Probably Caesar looked upon these as trivial recreations Yet he involved himself at least twice and escapades that might have wrecked his career and the only reason why his homosexual relationship would have been viewed in a negative light is because he let the king be the bottom and that or be the be the top and he be the bottom which if you were engaging in that type of behavior a the the man needed to be younger right and you needed to be sticking you know, you needed to be doing the penetrating. So Caesar got penetrated. But once again, it's the king. King Nicodemus. Let me see what he looked like. No, don't, Christina, that is completely irrelevant. <laughs> Let's get back to the to the source material. He also may have fucked his friend Pompey's wife, which is a big no-no. But that tells you that if there's a line, Caesar would have crossed it sexually. This cool-headed man of genius with an erratic vein of sexual exuberance undoubtedly changed the course of history at the western end of the old world. By liquidating the scandalous and bankrupt rule of the Roman nobility, he gave the Roman state and with it the Greco-Roman civilization a reprieve that lasted for more than 600 years in the east and far more than 400 years in the relatively backward west did you hear that backward west that's you europe daddy chill and i'm not saying that to cut off any success that clearly the european empires were able to establish to the point where we're still they're still kind of they're not kind of they're winning <laughs> in the century i'm not not saying that but it's just this very weird mythos that so many of the backwards have that somehow the rest of the world just didn't exist or didn't like you didn't learn from you know what came before thee in 1 BCE, the conquest of Gaul effectively completed. Caesar set up an efficient provincial administration to govern the vast territories. 
He published his history, The Gallic Wars. The Optimates in Rome attempted to cut short Caesar's term as governor of Gaul and made it clear that he would be immediately prosecuted if he returned to Rome as a private citizen. Caesar wanted to run for the consulship in Absia, uh, in absentia, I should say, which means basically I, I should be able to rule my consulship even though I'm not there. Um, Pompey and Caesar were maneuvered into a public split. Neither could yield to the other without a loss of honor, dignity, and power. And thus the two were positioned for a war. He might have remembered that he fucked his wife too. 49 BCE, Caesar tried to maintain his position legally, but when he was pushed to the limit, he led his armies across the Rubicon River, which is the border of his province, which was an automatic declaration. Pompey's legions were in Spain, so he and the Senate retreated to Brutusium and from there sailed to the east. Caesar quickly advanced to Rome, set up a rump senate, and had himself declared dictator. Throughout his campaign, Caesar practiced and widely publicized his policy of clemency. He would put no one to death and confiscate no property. In a bold, unexpected move, Caesar led his legions to Spain to prevent Pompey's forces from joining him in the east. He allegedly declared, quote, I am off to meet an army without a leader. When I return, I shall meet a leader without an army. End quote. After a remarkably short campaign, he returned to Rome and was elected council, thus relatively legalizing his position. Let's talk about him and Cleopatra, who, by the way, despite residing in Africa, was of Macedonian descent macedonian meaning greek despite what many may continue to tell you cleopatra's father ptolemy uh, kjj alets had decided to ally with rome as he rightfully believed it was becoming the region's greatest power but there were powerful Egyptians and Greeks who disagreed with this policy and decided it would be better to have Cleopatra in control. So Potomy, Potomy, I hate that name because it always trip over the words, paid Rome to invade Egypt and guarantee his place in power, incurring large debts by borrowing from a Roman businessman in the process. As was the custom of the Greek Ptolemy dynasty in Egypt, which led all the way back to Alexander the Great's conquering of Egypt, Cleopatra and her brother Ptolemy the Eighth were married in order to maintain the family's power and inherited the rule of Egypt upon the death of their father in 51 BC. Now I know I'd be dragging the European powers for their massive incest, but it's not like fucking Egyptians <laughs> weren't deeply into that. I mean, just kept marrying the brothers and the sisters 
it was it's not it's not ooh, they was nasty they was nasty they was not they didn't look like they they statues either it's all fat because all they did was eat all day and pray eat all day and pray and talk shit or be entertained <laughs> Meanwhile, in the midst of a civil war between her supporters and those of her brother, Cleopatra sought the help from Caesar. Many say that she had herself rolled up in a rug and presented herself, fell on out on his dick. Oh no, I hope I don't fall. I want to say she was around 20, 23 at this age. I could be mistaken. I'm just pulling that from my own recollection of events. In order to avoid being caught by her brother's forces, she was secreted into Alexandria while rolled up in a carpet. There we go. Her servant, disguised as a merchant, unrolled the queen in front of Caesar inside the general's suite. They had a mutually beneficial relationship. The pair's need of one another definitely served purpose. Cleopatra required the might of Caesar's armies to install her as ruler of Egypt. While Caesar was in need of Cleopatra's booty, I'm just kidding, vast wealth, (laughs) she is believed to have been the world's richest woman at the time and able to finance Caesar's return to power in Rome. With Cleopatra successfully installed, the couple cruised the Nile on the queen's royal barge, after which Caesar returned to Rome, leaving Cleopatra with child. That was quite the cruise, and it was. It was like a spectacle That was what Cleopatra was good at, creating the spectacle. In Rome, Caesar had a gilded statue of Cleopatra erected, but it is not known if their affair continued. Although marriage between a Roman and a foreigner was not permitted, not to mention the fact that Caesar was already married, he never denied fathering her child. And why would I? I'm a 50-year-old balding man, and that is a noble princess who's the richest woman in the world what you gonna do about it cesarean it turns out they did do do something about it cesarean (laughs) the last king of egypt's ptolemy you get what i mean dynasty ruled together with his mother until octavian later augustus had him killed on august 23rd bc He was Egypt's sole ruler for 11 days between Cleopatra's death and his own. Cleopatra not only slept with Caesar, but slept with Caesar's adopted son, Mark Anthony. (laughs) So she, she had a thing for, for that household. In February 44 BCE, Caesar was named dictator perpetuus on february 15th at the feast of lupercalia caesar wore his purple garb for the first time in public at the public festival anthony offered him a diadem symbol of the hellenistic monarchs but caesar refused it saying jupiter alone is king of the romans possibly because he saw the people did not want him to accept the diadem or possibly because he wanted to end once and for all the speculation that he was trying to become a king caesar was good at pr he knew how to play the crowd caesar was preparing to lead a military campaign as well against the parthenians who had treacherously killed crassus and taken the legendary eagles he was due to leave on march 18th 
Although Caesar was apparently warned of some personal danger, he nevertheless refused a bodyguard. Because like all men, when death is coming, they gotta put their ego first. Help me! Help me! Nigga! That is the much more appropriate response. And maybe things would have been different because on March 15th, 44 BCE, which is known to history, Caesar attended the last meeting of the Senate before his departure, held at its temporary quarters in the portico of the theater built by Pompey the Great. The Curia, located in the Forum and the regular meeting house of the Senate, he had been badly burned, had been badly burned and was being rebuilt. The 60 conspirators led by Marcus Janius Brutus Gaius Cassius Longinus, Decimus Brutus Albinus, <laughs> A2 Brutus, he probably was wondering. <laughs> oh, I wonder now what he, who, which one he was accusing. Like, I knew this Brutus, but you two brothers? And Gaius Trebonius these are all ridiculous names came to the meeting with daggers concealed in their togas and struck caesar at least 23 times as he stood at the base of pompey's statue legend has it that caesar said in greek to brutus you too my child after his death all the senators that's also uh considered a fucking myth because you know you get stabbed 23 times at, at least about four of those hit the lung the only thing you do is choking on your own damn blood <gasps> you ain't trying to say no last words he just put his I, I i believe better that he just put his cloak over his face like nobody see me crying like a bitch as i die because i'm a 50 year old man <laughs> and that's gotta hurt that's gotta hurt after his death, all the senators fled and three slaves carried his body home to Calpurnia several hours later. For several days, there was a political vacuum for the conspirators apparently had no long range plan and in a major blunder, did not immediately kill Mark Anthony. Oh shit, fucked up. Apparently by the decision of Brutus. The conspirators had only a band of gladiators to back them up while Anthony had a whole legion and the people were not pleased and all of them were not only not only hunted down and murdered but what they tried to prevent which was an emperor um failed on all accounts as caesar's line continued to rule for for quite some time so that is the story and it's not entirety but in a very condensed version of course it's stated sources below for more information on his life and death let's jump into the conspiracy of the week this one's pretty crazy so buckle up buckle up Welcome to the rice fields, motherfucker! Between 1941 and 1945, 6 million Jews were killed across Europe in a horrific genocide led by Nazi dictator Adolf Hitler. Despite the fact that the Holocaust is one of the best documented events in history, there are swaths of population that don't 
believe it happened or they believe the death toll has been enormously inflated. What? What the fuck? In a 2014 survey coordinated by the Anti-Defamation League of more than 53,000 people across 100 countries found that only 30% of the respondents thought historical accounts of the Holocaust were accurate. Respondents under the age of 65 were more likely to say they didn't believe the Holocaust happened as history books say it did. Poor education on the subject may be one explanation for this, but some conspiracy theories push the anti-Semitic notion that the Holocaust was invented or exaggerated to garner sympathy and monetary gains for Jewish people. serious while serving and advancing jewish jewish interests deborah e lipstad a historian and professor who has written books on the holocaust denial separates holocaust deniers into two groups there are the hardcore deniers who say the holocaust didn't happen at all then lipstad says there are the less fervent deniers who may admit the Holocaust happened, but question the official death toll or that gas chambers were used for mass murder. Among the many poignant points Lipstock raises about Holocaust denial is this question, quote, for the deniers to be right, who has to be wrong? Well, certainly all the survivors, the bystanders, but most of all, you have the perpetrators. They never said it didn't happen. End quote. I'm disrespectful as the fuck. Holocaust deniers ignore the overwhelming evidence of the event and insist that the Holocaust is a myth invented by the Allies, the Soviet communists, and the Jews for their own ends. According to the, deni- to the deniers, logic, the Allies, <laughs> logic in quotations, The Allies needed the Holocaust myth to justify their occupation of Germany in 1945 and the, quote, harsh persecution of Nazi defendants. Holocaust deniers also claim that Jews needed the, quote, Holocaust myth to extract huge payments and restitution from Germany and to justify the establishment of the state of Israel. Holocaust deniers claim that there is a vast conspiracy involving the victorious powers of World War II, Jews, and Israel to propagate the Holocaust for their own ends. Holocaust deniers assert that if they can discredit one fact about the Holocaust, the whole history of the event can be discredited as well. They ignore the evidence of the historical event and make arguments that say, or that they say negate the reality of the Holocaust in its entirety. It's just ridiculous how people are this obnoxious, obnoxiously obtuse. Some Holocaust deniers argue that since there is neither a single document that outlines the Holocaust, (laughs) nor a signed document from Hitler ordering the Holocaust, the Holocaust itself is a hoax. To make this argument, they reject all the evidence submitted at numerous 
<laughs> Bird. <laughs> like, what, what do you mean? They denounce his fabrications and genocidal intentions uh, of the Nazi state and the thousands of orders, memos, notes, and other records that document the, pro- document the process of destruction. When they cannot sustain arguments that documents are forged, they argue that the language in the documents has been deliberately misinterpreted because English can't be understood or German in this case by other Germans. Furthermore, some Holocaust deniers insist that the allies tortured the perpetrators into testifying about the role in the killing process and that the survivors who testified about Nazi crimes against Jews were all lying out of self-interest. Yeah, and all the video evidence just clearly states that. Some Holocaust deniers claim, like, I feel like you can get away with this shit and like, before the age of any technology, maybe. But in 1940, what? (laughs) When not only (laughs) was technology being heavily used during the war, so was filmography. Uh, is filmography the right word? I don't think so. <laughs> but you know what I mean, videography. Some Holocaust deniers claim that those few Jews who had perished died from natural causes or were legitimately executed by the Nazi state for actual criminal offenses. Oh my God. They assert that Jews and the allied powers def- uh, deliberately inflated the number of Jews killed during the war. Holocaust historians have placed the number of Jews killed in the Holocaust between 5.1 to 6 million people based on legitimate available historical sources and the demographic methods. Holocaust deniers cite uncertainty about the exact number of deaths within this accepted range as proof that the whole history of the Holocaust has been fabricated and that the number of Jewish deaths during World War II has been grossly exaggerated. To that, I say... Shut the fuck up. You're a fucking cunt. Shut the fuck up. You're a stupid cunt. Suck my dick. That made me angry to read it. I mean, it's just sad that that's the type of shit that, you know, these people with billions of dollars are sitting around talking about. And... And they get to have all this money and run corporations that really they don't run. They're just the the guy that made the correct decision by choosing the right right person to listen to. I mean, I'm not trying to take everything away, but seriously, these are not smart people. Let's end with some fun facts to uh, shake off that disgust disgusting idiocy of human nature in switzerland it is illegal to own just one guinea pig while this may sound like an odd law to try and enforce it makes perfect sense guinea pigs are social animals and easily feel lonely or depressed which is basically a form of animal cruelty and so i guess in switzerland you don't own one My daughter asks if she can get a guinea pig. Nope. Snakes can predict earthquakes. Many animals are able to predict earthquakes to varying levels of success. 
Yet snakes are the most reliable sensing earthquakes from as far as 75 miles away, which is 121 kilometers. They can even sense an earthquake five days before it actually occurs. It's because they're uh, they're they're basically trimmers, <laughs> mini trimmers. Crows often hold grudges against specific people. They're great, excellent, in fact, at recognizing people's faces and are able to remember people for a long time. This can be either a negative or positive fact. Like if you throw something at them, just know they about to make your life hell. You know the rules and so do I. Say goodbye. Are you one of those weird people that hate all things fun? Well, there's a name for you. You might have cherophobia. People with this phobia tend to avoid any kind of situation that others might classify as fun or joyful. Can I also use that as the definition of a party pooper? <laughs> Just asking for a friend. 7% of American adults believe that chocolate milk <laughs> comes from brown cows. And I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. 7% does not sound like a lot. <laughs> but it actually works out at 16.4 million American adults. You gotta be ashamed of yourself, nigga. Real talk. You gotta be ashamed of yourself. All as you is. This shows that one in 10 Americans have a flawed understanding of basic science or where their food comes from. That is horrifyingly embarrassing <laughs> oh my god i can't imagine sitting next to someone who actually says that out of their mouth i'm like i am disassociating with you as a person <laughs> uh, i'd stop talking to this one girl too because she's like yeah i kind of believe in the flat earth theory I don't want you on my page, Blackiana. Most Korean people don't have armpit odor. Research at the University of Bristol found that only 0.006% of the Korean population has the ABCC11 gene. This gene is the cause of armpit odor, apparently. So next time I'm like, hey, hey, ABCC11. In fact, the study found that most East Asians don't have this gene, but Koreans have the lowest numbers. While this may be surprising to us, it's not big news in Korea as deodorant isn't commonly found there. Wow, didn't know that, but that makes sense. I suppose if you don't, but I feel as if even if you don't have any armpit odor, why? Well, yeah, but if you don't, yeah, no, I suppose. No, no, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just like smelling flowery. <laughs> Polar bears could eat as many as 10 penguins in a single sitting. Glossing over that disturbing fact, because all I'm seeing is 10 happy feet marching to their death. Most people know Volkswagen for their iconic line of camper vans, the Combi. No, I didn't know that, but good to know. Maybe because I don't know anything about a camper or a van. Or even the Beetle. I know that one. A lesser known product that comes out of Volkswagen's factories 
is curry worse sausages. What? But why in the world would Volkswagen make sausages? That's a good question. Well, Volkswagen built one of its factories in a remote location and decided to make its own food for the factory workers. Their sausages were so popular that Volkswagen ended up selling them commercially. Fun fact, Volkswagen sausages are more popular and bring in more revenue than their cars. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And certainly, last but not least, out of our facts, we're wrapping up our podcast this week. Movie trailers were originally shown after the movie, which is why they're called trailers. Oh my God! Wow! Oh my God! Is your mind blown? Mine imploded. You didn't see my fingers, but they definitely were doing all of that. If you have any thoughts, feelings, comments, suggestions, blackercouch at gmail.com. Remember to like, share, subscribe. Until next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic.